This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Drew is back from spring training with some thoughts on Ezekiel Tovar, Chris Bryant, Ryan McMahon, Zach Veen, and more. Plus, Rockies minor league catching prospect Drew Romo talks about his progress and what it's like being with the big club in Arizona. It's the closest I've been to the big leagues, and so it's awesome. And, you know, some guys are starting to go back down to minor league camp. You know, I really don't want to go. I want to stay with these guys. It's awesome. I freaking love it. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 192. Thank you very, very much for joining us this week. Just got back from Arizona, and I tweeted out how chilly it was down there. It did warm up uh, somewhat, but it just seems like it's cold everywhere. We had the coldest winter I can remember here in Colorado, at least in quite some time, and it was uh, it was cold down there. I mean, I watched the first game on Thursday, and I had on a long sleeve shirt. I had a hoodie on, and the hood was over my head, and I was like pulling the drawstrings tight. And I think I was had my hands rolled up in the sleeves. That's how uh, cold it was. But as I said, it, it warmed up some. It's always good to be down there. Love March. Love Scottsdale. Love this time of year. And I'll be back down there uh, in a little more than a week. But back in Denver for a few days. And then I have to go out west, watch uh, one of my boys play and bouncing around. But we'll uh, get to spring training in a moment. But I uh, had some other notes I wanted to um, mention the Underwear Olympics, I forget who coined that phrase, somebody in the media a number of years ago in reference to the NFL Combine, which lasts the better part of a week in Indianapolis uh, every year in the latter part of the winter, a precursor to the NFL draft. And um, I also saw on ESPN with uh, with Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay that they're on Mock Draft 3.0. So there'll probably be Mock Draft 33.0 before the damn thing actually takes place um, later on. We all like the NFL Draft because we watch a ton of college football. And so you have a familiarity, at least with the guys going in the first round or so. Um, The Combine is an interesting exercise because every year there is somebody that is a workout star. And this year, the winner of the Underwear Olympics, as I tweeted out, clearly was Anthony Richardson, the talented quarterback for the University of Florida, who had, by the way, rather pedestrian numbers for Florida last year, and Florida overall uh, was decidedly mediocre. Yet Anthony Richardson, according to many, has shot up the draft boards because he ran 4-4 in the 40. He's a big, strong guy. He has great hops, more than 40 inches uh, on his vertical leap, Uh, great standing broad jump. He has a big throwing arm. And so now everyone who needs a quarterback uh, has added Richardson to the top of their list supposedly. I'm not here to say, wow, I think that's misguided. What I do think is misguided is to think that because you you take a lineman, you you bench press two and a quarter, 35 times, therefore, um, you know, you, you 
have checked off a great number of boxes. All it tells you is that, yeah, you have good strength and you were able to move 225 pounds off your chest um, 35 times. Doesn't make you a great football player. Running 4-4 means you're fast. No question about it, especially if you're 240 pounds, especially if you play quarterback. Get it. It doesn't make you a great quarterback. Tim Tebow, as we know, played at the University of Florida. I don't think Tim Tebow ran 4-4, but Tim Tebow was a tremendous athlete. Big and strong. He's built like a linebacker, as we all know. Charismatic, great leader. Couldn't throw the ball worth a damn. You have to you have to be able to be accurate when you throw the football. And I hope Anthony Richardson is. I have no idea. This this little rant I'm on is not to condemn the talents of Anthony Richardson. It's more to qualify for all of those bright, supposedly, and astute NFL scouts, front office people that are going to get tickled because of these measurables. You still have to watch a guy play, especially at the quarterback position, and take that and determine how he'll be as an NFL quarterback. See Brock Purdy. I don't remember anybody going off on Brock Purdy last year at the NFL Combine. We know nobody went off other than a laugh a track at Tom Brady many moons ago when he showed up at the Combine and he had the dad bod out of the University of Michigan. So pump the brakes, man. And again, it's not an indictment of Anthony Richardson. You know, a few years from now, we may be talking about Anthony Richardson as an elite quarterback. Who knows? I hope I hope it is for him. I, I don't know the guy. But I, I just find it comical every year where there's that guy that, you know, goes off at the combine and shoots up draft boards. Who was it? it wasn't it um, when he came out of uh, LSU that Joe Burrow, his hands were too small? Hands are too small. Didn't pass that test. Well, evidently, the hand's big enough to throw the football very accurately to all spots he needs to on a football field. Okay, moving on. Saw this uh, the other day. Kudos to Mike Malone. He allowed Ryan Bowen. He's always been a fan favorite back when he played. I was doing the Nuggets games when Ryan Bowen uh, came out of Iowa and... um, was a hustle maniac, not really gifted offensively. Remember he made a, a really wild and awkward reverse layup uh, on a fast break one time, and the crowd just erupted. But everybody loved Ryan Bowen because he was going to play his tail off. He was going to dive on the floor. He's going to play good defense. He's been a longtime coach. Well, Ryan Bowen, one of his boys, um, is in the final four uh, of the state tournament for Mountain Vista, I believe. And Mike Malone said, hey, you're not going to San Antonio. You, you need to be a dad. You need to be um, at home watching your son in the Final Four. Well, it's the absolute right thing to do. And everything I've uh, ever heard about Mike Malone, I don't know. I've met him a couple times. I don't know him. But, you know, he he is about, you know, family. He's about doing the right thing. Um, but it was, like, really celebrated um, in some circles on social media and not that Mike Malone was patting himself on the back saying, hey, look at me, what a, what a great 
uh, person I am because I'm allowing one of my 37 assistants to miss a game. It's the right thing to do. And we become so self-important in sport. And we think the games are the absolute be-all, end-all. I remember, and, and it literally almost brought tears to my eyes, Jamie Quirk, who was the bench coach for a number of years for the Rockies during the uh, 07 World Series run. You know, he, he was kind of the right-hand man to, uh, to Clint Hurdle. Good guy. Still stay in touch with Jamie. Played a long time in the big leagues, uh, primarily with the with the Royals of, you know, George Brett and, and, and those guys. And uh, he and his wife, Anna, have two boys. And the Rockies had an off day. And I was talking to Jamie. I said, hey, what are you doing on your off day? And he said, I'm, I'm heading back to Kansas City, and I'm watching one of my sons, who was a senior in high school at that point in time, um, play for the first time in high school. In other words, he'd been playing for four years, and it was the first time that the schedule allowed Jamie to go and watch him play. And I just, man, as I said, it, it, it almost brought tears to my eyes because obviously you have a job and you can't miss a multiple number of games to go watch your kid every time he plays if you're on a coaching staff. But you got to think here and there. You know, can you take a day or two off at some point in four years to say, hey, I'm going to, you know what? Um, they're playing their arch rival. Let me let me miss a ball game. And I think if more cultures, especially sports cultures, were doing that, you'd have a much healthier um, environment and a true family environment. Because companies love to tout we're a family. Well, you know when most companies are family when it serves them well to tout such a thing. So again. Good for Mike Malone, good for the Nuggets to allow Ryan Bowen to see his son play. But on occasion, that should be more the norm than something that, that is that is very rare. And last week, I believe I was going off on how many coaches there were in the NBA now and how many you know different people that were attached to a team. And yet, with all that we know about training and science and lifting and nutrition and all these different coaches, we still have load management, right? And, and guys have to miss 8, 10, 12, 14 games. And I still haven't seen the data where that makes you better in late April in May when the playoffs are in full swing. So again, that, that caught my attention. Uh, best of luck to Ryan Bowen's son, um, but that was the right thing to do. All right, I mentioned I was just back uh, from Scottsdale. Observations beyond that it was chilly initially, because who really cares? Um, I'm really excited about watching Ezekiel Tovar play shortstop every day and get four bats, hopefully more than that, um, on uh, on a good number of days for the Rockies. As we said last year when he came up as a 21-year-old, he's not afraid. He believes he belongs. He can really defend. He's got some pop in his bat. And you keep your fingers crossed that he can become uh, a star for the Rockies, maybe their next star shortstop. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, there was an at-bat that really stood out to me. He was facing uh, Taylor Rogers, the the under. <laughs> he basically, th- you know, 
throws underhanded almost low sidearm guy from Chatfield High School for the and he and he plays for the San Francisco Giants and he throws like an upshoot slider and real difficult arm angle especially right on right well he got ahead of Tovar I want to say 0 and 2 or 1 and 2 and then he threw that uh, that upshoot slider away and Tovar didn't try to do a lot with it stayed on it and lined a clean single to right and it probably didn't seem noteworthy to many, but to me it did, because that was a elite type of approach for a hitter against a really tough right-handed pitcher, and again, it's right on right, and it showed composure, it showed um, a skill set beyond his years. And it's just a small little example, but I think Tobar has a chance to be a really good player. The Rockies, right after I got down there, or right before I got down there, found out that they'd lost Brendan Rodgers and Lucas Gilbreth to the season. Big blows. I mean, Brendan Rodgers, they need Brendan Rodgers to be a star. He took a nice step last year, bad April, uh, wasn't great late in the season, but in between he was really solid, good bat-to-ball skills. You want to see more home runs out of him. He came into camp in phenomenal shape. I know he won a gold glove last year. Um, he had he improved quite a bit uh, defensively, clearly, to be in the running and then ultimately win the gold glove. But that's a huge blow for the Rockies, who who need to improve their offense dramatically. And the way they're going to handle that, most likely, Ryan McMahon's going to play second. And there won't be a drop-off at all there defensively. In fact, Ryan McMahon, a couple of years ago, had some of the best numbers defensively at second base when he was kind of splitting time between second and third. They'll be fine there. I, I think more often than not, despite the fact that the Rockies um, got attention for signing to a minor league deal, Mike Moustakas, the former three-time All-Star, Elodis Montero is going to play third and needs to, for me, play third. This is a guy that was the most talented guy they got, along with Austin Gomber, in the Nolan Arenado deal. He's got a lot of pop. He's already done everything he needs to do at the minor league level. You saw him uh, quite a bit at the major league level last year. Um, He needs to play. He needs to get 500 at-bats. You need to see, can he be a 20, 25 home run guy? Um, Can he be an RBI guy? My fingers are crossed that he can, but you can't do it if it's sporadic. So if I'm the Rockies, I play McMahon at second most days, and I play Montero most days at third. You can spell him some, and he can D8 some on the occasion, maybe where Charlie plays in the field, plays right field. So that's how I'd handle that, but a big blow uh, losing Rodgers. Also a big blow losing Lucas Gilbreth. The, the Rockies not had left-handed uh, relief pitching, and Gilbreth really emerged last year, kind of a power, excuse me, a power left-handed arm, and, and at points last year, uh, he was being used as a significant setup guy, you know, seventh inning at times, so he'll be gone uh, for a year. They tried the platelet, um, you know, the platelet-rich blood, you know, deal one in his elbow and it looked like it worked he came out of the uh the winter feeling great and then in his second bullpen session uh 
it was pretty clear that he had to have Tommy John surgery, and that's that's what's going to happen with him. And so he won't be back uh, until well into uh, the 2024 season in all likelihood. Other observations down there. Chris Bryant, speaking of a, of an offense that did not do well, and one of the reasons is that Bryant only played 42 games last year. Huge signing, as you know, last winter for the Rockies. Uh, Colorado needs Chris Bryant to be terrific. Can't just be solid. Maybe it's unfair to say this. They need him to be really, really good. They need him to be the all-star Chris Bryant. And the early returns in spring training have been outstanding. Last year when I watched batting practice with Chris Bryant, you know, when he did hit balls out of the ballpark, which is commonplace for major league hitters at 5 o'clock, but a lot of wall scrapers. And And he had that one good week on the road where he hit all five of his home runs, and then unfortunately he got hurt again plantar fascia. Did not hit a home run at Coors Field in a Rockies uniform. This spring, in the early going, as we taped this, he's hit three home runs and just a relative handful of at-bats. And two of the three were up on the concourse at Salt River Fields. You know Salt River Fields. I'm sure many of you have been down there for spring training. That's a titanic blast. So that's been really good to see. So Chris Bryant's off, uh, you know, to a nice start. Herman Marquez, who was supposed to pitch for Venezuela in the WBC and tweaked his hamstring. It set him back just a little bit, but I saw him make his first appearance of the spring. He actually followed Kyle Freeland uh, in a ball game uh, in Peoria against Peoria, Arizona, against the um, Mariners. And Herman, he was 96 to 98. And we had Kyle Freeland on on television that day, and, and Kyle threw the ball uh, very effectively. Kyle's going to pitch for Team USA, and Kyle's watching his buddy and um, teammate throw 96 on his first day out, touch 98 a couple of times, and he said, that must be nice. So Herman looks to be in a good place, and he's not going to, you know, knock on wood, uh, miss any time. It's not like, you know, when you read that he had the hamstring injury, you're wondering, oh man, does that mean, you know, he's not going to be available until well into April? Not the case. He's going to be just fine. Um, so those two guys up top for the Rockies to overachieve, if you will, based on prognostications, they need those two guys without question to be uh, really good. Saw Jose Arena throw. They need him to be good. They need him to throw like he did uh, a couple years back uh, for the for the Padres. We'll see how that plays out. But he's got a heavy sinker and a good slider, um, and he looked good uh, when I saw him uh, pitch as well. Daniel Bard uh, is also pitching for uh, Team USA in the WBC. Uh, he he's looked uh, fantastic. I'm not going to break down everybody. I saw, but those are the guys that kind of jumped out at me. In addition to another young player who um, has gotten a lot of attention, and that is one of the top prospects, not only in the Rocky system, but throughout baseball, and that's Zach Veen, who was the ninth pick in the draft a couple of years ago out of Florida high school. This guy is really interesting. We had Veen on uh, not too long ago on the show. Confident kid, big kid, put on about 20 pounds from the fall, and he was the most outstanding offensive player in the Arizona Fall League, uh, which is uh, a composition of some of the top prospects in all of baseball that play in the Fall League. And 
When I got down there, I saw in the first game he had three at-bats, and then the next game he came off the bench, he had one at-bat, and then I saw him up in uh, uh, Peoria against Seattle, and his first at-bat, he ended up having a base hit to right. And the reason I'm going over these very quickly is at one point he had seen 13 pitches and he had swung at all 13 pitches. I've never at any level seen that before. I mean, you talk about aggressive. You talk about a wild horse. That's Zach Veen. And I mean it complimentary. Does that have to be reined in some? Yeah, you can't swing at everything. I mean, especially at the big league level, they'll carve you up. Um, but he's got he's got some tood on the base pass. He jumps around. He's not a blazer. He's not Trey Turner. I mean, he's not even close. He's not Sam Hilliard fast. He's got above average speed. But so much of it is guts and guile and being fearless. He's stolen over 90 bases at the minor league level. And we understand that the minor leagues are not the big leagues. Pitchers keep you closer. They're typically quicker to home plate. Catchers can really throw and throw accurately. It's a different animal. But he has already stolen, I think as of this taping, like seven bases in a handful of games uh, this spring. And he's taken advantage of the pitch clock. He's used to the pitch clock, by the way, because he's been in the minor leagues the last couple of years. Um, got a lot of uh, action on uh, social media about Bean. Bring him up right away. Man, this guy's so much fun. I, I don't think that would be wise. He's not quite ready offensively. There's more work to be done. But boy, he's intriguing. And he's not short on confidence. He got into a verbal uh, you know, back and forth with Lance Lynn. Lynn struck him out on six pitches twice, you know, three and three. And... Lynn kind of said something to Veen, and Veen fired right back at him, which, again, takes a moxie for a young kid who has not been to the big leagues yet. So uh, he, he's a guy that when he arrives, it's going to be a lot of fun because you can't take your eyes off him. He's going to do something, uh, but it's not going to be in April. Hopefully it's at some point this year. And that takes me to another one of the top prospects uh, for the Rockies, who's also our guest this week, and that's Drew Romo. Another guy drafted right out of high school, out of the Woodlands in the Houston area. He was known coming out as the top defensive catcher in the draft. But he's proven to be a very good offensive player so far in his young minor league career, and he is swinging it well as of this taping uh, with the big league club down in spring training. So I thought it'd be uh, cool for everybody this week to get to to know a future Rocky. And uh, as you'll find out, a really good young man in Drew Romo. Well, first of all, did you have a good offseason? Yes, great offseason. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what did you uh, what did you work on in particular? Just overall body. I mean, what what are your as a young player? What's your focus in the off seasons? Yeah, for me, I'm still young, so it's tough kind of evaluating what I need to work on most. But for me, kind of just touching on everything. Um, I think last year my left-handed hitting went down a little bit. I had a good year right-handed hitting. Lefty wasn't as good as usual. So kind of just 
uh, went back to the basics and uh, simplified it a little bit and, you know, just not overthinking my approach at the, at the plate. And um, a really big thing that I actually worked on this offseason was receiving behind the plate. Um, I've always thought of myself as a really good receiver with good, smooth, strong hands. But, um, you know, my receiving numbers haven't been as good as I, as good as I think they should be. And so um, right now I'm feeling really good. So far this spring in games, my numbers have been a lot better. And so I'm just trying to continue that. Well, I wanna, uh, I'm glad you went there for one second because I'm going to deviate from, from where we were headed for one moment. I don't buy all the receiving metrics. I really don't. And I'm not saying that to support you know, what you did or didn't do last year, but do you sometimes look at them with a skeptical eye? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because like, like the way that I play the game, I'm very old school. I love um, that gritty catcher mindset, you know, blocking every ball, um, being tough. And then also as a hitter, you know, line drives, using all parts of the field. But then like another part of me also wants to be able to adjust of where the game is going and kind of, you know, be open to learning new things and developing new things. Um, and so for me, kind of where I'm at right now is when there's no runners on base, less than two strikes, and it's not really a blocking situation, I'm going to do everything I can to receive that pitch the best I can. Um, but now it's different when there's two strikes or runners on base, you know, you need to be ready to block. And so for me, that's where I'm still pretty old school uh, of my mindset behind the plate. Always been fascinated with guys who switch hit. When did you start? Probably when I was like eight years old. Um, my dad set up a swing away in the backyard, and you know, for those who don't know, just a baseball on a on a net on a string, and when you hit it, it just goes right back into place. You know, you don't need a bucket of balls or anything. And so I would just swing off the swing away, both sides, lefty and righty. You know, so many times, hundreds of times, all the time, and so. That really helps me. Was that on your own, or did Dad say, okay, now, now take 50 hacks lefty? So my dad definitely encouraged me to do it, but I also wanted to do it, so I was very passionate about that. As you grow, you're facing more right-handed pitchers. So I've often heard this about switch hitters, that left-handed, your left-handed swing, and I know you were saying last year you didn't love your left-handed swing, left-handed swings usually a little more grooved typically. Have you found that? Yeah, my left-handed swing is pretty much always felt more grooved a little bit more smooth and easy just because you get more reps doing it but um yeah like i said before last year i had a better season hitting right-handed a really good season right-handed which i was very happy about and i think a lot of people were impressed with so i'm just trying to keep that going which side do you have more pop on it's about even yeah is it about even yeah yeah which side do you feel like you handle a plus fastball better from that's a good question. Um, I mean, when things are going well, both sides are pretty even. But, you know, sometimes things are up and down. It's hard to be doing really good both sides of the plate at the same time. That's when you're freaking raking and you're feeling really good. Um, but they're about even. Yeah. All right. I want to take you back to high school. Where, if you didn't get drafted and, and offered the money you were, where were you going to go? LSU. Was, was there competition from UT, Texas A&M? I mean, you're, the, that's in your back, uh, you know, backyard, so to speak. And I know that every Texas kid, seemingly, not every, but most, want to go to UT. Yeah, 
Texas A&M was definitely a school I was considering. I really wanted to play in the SEC. And so I think now UT is going into the SEC, which, you know, if that was happening when I was still in high school, definitely would have changed things. But when I was in high school, I wanted to play in the SEC. So it was pretty much between LSU and Texas A&M. I'm sure you read these things because if I read them, you had to have read them. And that was when you came out of the Woodlands, everybody raved about this kid, phenomenal defensively, can catch and throw. Um, and the offensive aspect of your game, was people weren't beating it up, but, but was secondary almost to how good you were defensively. Did you, did you take that and kind of put a chip on your shoulder? Yeah, I still laugh about it now thinking about it because I always knew I could hit. Like my high school, the Woodlands High School, it's one of the biggest high schools in the state of Texas, one of the best baseball programs in the state, good competition. I started as a freshman on the varsity team and I hit over 400. And so like I always knew I could hit. It was never an issue for me. Um, Now when I started going to big showcases and stuff, you know, I would I would struggle at some, but then other ones I would still hit really good at, like the Under Armour All American game, two for two with a triple and or a double, and then um, like perfect game All American game. I didn't get a hit, but I smoked a ball. And area code, I was one of like two players to get a home run. Uh, the ball doesn't really fly there very well at Blair Field, I think, uh, Long Beach State. But so like what I'm saying is I have a good history of um, hitting the ball well. And for some people, people were uh, overlooking that, and it just kind of made me laugh. But I always knew I could hit, and so then when I got to pro ball, I just kept doing what I was doing. More with Drew and Rocky's catching prospect, Drew Romo, right after this. Steel Power Tools, it's spelled S-T-I-H-L. You know their product. You see with the uh, orange on all of their stuff, whether it's uh, a chainsaw, a blower, a trimmer. They have so many products. I tell you all the time, just go to SteelUSA.com, SteelUSA.com, S-T-I-H-L, or SteelDealers.com, more than 10,000 dealers around the country, and go shopping, man. Buy product and then run down to the dealer and it'll be waiting for you. And there are so many different items. And you may think, well, you know, I'm pretty much all set. Do me a favor. Get online and take a look at all they have, and I guarantee you'll find several, as in more than one, that you say, you know what, that would be useful to have in my tool shed. That would be useful to have in my tool shed. And you'll be like me. You'll you'll have a, a plethora of skill tools, and uh, you'll even know how to utilize some of them. But they're great. Battery operators, the way I go, super powerful, love the battery stuff. Charge lasts forever. They have electric if you like that. They have gas powered as well. Um, but uh, I, I go battery powered. Anyhow, it's Steel, S T I H L, SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. Boyer's Coffee. Been brewed in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. You know that. If you haven't had Boyer's Coffee right now, there's something wrong. If you're a Coloradan, you ought to have a full cabinet of Boyer's Coffee brewed here it's smooth it's terrific it's consistent and they have so many flavors chocolate cherry how good does that sound i don't know to me it sounds good some folks aren't into the different flavored coffees Um, i'm a big chocolate guy they got chocolate mousse coffee going now they got coconut cream Um, i like the sumatra mashup um and i've got 
I've got a cabinet full of those. I have them delivered to my house. Go to boyerscoffee.com. That's boyerscoffee.com and go shopping. It's that simple. Uh, you can go to your local market as well. Um, I do it uh, online and I have it delivered uh, periodically to the house. I'm a K-Cup guy and it works wonderfully well for me. You'll love it. it it's great coffee and uh, they're locally owned and operated and it's as good a cup of coffee as you will find anywhere. Boyerscoffee.com Now back to Drew and Drew Romo. I'm going to bring up a name that people who follow baseball know really well and um this guy to me knows more about baseball you know where i'm going now knows more about baseball than anybody i've ever met i love him he's got the energy of a, of a 15 year old and he's much older than that and that's jerry weinstein what has he meant to you yeah oh he's been very helpful um he's great to be around i mean he's like he's the guru you know of baseball of catching and so he's awesome to train with yeah with your game going forward um do you allow yourself to have a timetable to when you're in the big leagues no no timetable just doing my thing right now taking it day by day yeah and with uh what you've done so far get your feet wet in a big league camp this year yesterday as we uh taped this smoked a, a double down the uh left right-handed down the left field line uh up in peoria how much fun is it and what are you learning just observing in that big league clubhouse oh it's awesome i mean it's the closest I've been to the big leagues, and so it's awesome. And, you know, some guys are starting to go back down to minor league camp, and, you know, I really don't want to go. I want to stay with these guys. It's awesome. I freaking love it. Yeah. What have you learned from uh, Elias Diaz, Brian Servin, some of the guys that are a little further along in their careers? Oh, yeah, just being able to see how they go about their business. Um, it's interesting to see what people do differently behind the plate and um and how certain guys do things differently to achieve success and uh and just learning how things go being around these big leaguers i've had to learn some things which is definitely helpful for me yeah with the group that you have and and i'm going to throw you in with with guys like zach veen and even ezekiel tovar who's a kid and high likelihood he starts in the big leagues this year do you guys talk amongst yourselves and say hey we're going to be that next great group of rockies to get them back to the postseason is that a is that an active conversation oh yeah i mean most of these young guys in the organization know that we're the future like we know how good our talent is in this minor league system and i I just got the chills talking about it because we're really good i mean if you look at our farm system last year i think we were second in winning percentage behind the rays from top to bottom in the minor leagues and not only does that go to show how much talent we have in the minor leagues, but it goes to show how well we gel together, we play together on the field, which is very important. Give me a couple names of guys that um, maybe don't have the same, uh, their name doesn't have the same cachet as yourself or as Zach Veen that you say, hey, don't forget this guy. He's, he's going to be an impactful guy down the road. There's so many guys. I mean, the list goes on and on. Just starting with catchers, I mean, Ronaker Palma, who was uh, with the Spokane Indians on my team last year, I mean, he hit 300. That's awesome. I mean, me and him behind the plate and uh, Hunter Goodman playing with us too, those three catchers on the same team at the same time is insane. And so, um, I mean, Julio Carreras was really good for us last year, warming Bernabel. There's a ton of guys, Grant Levine. The list goes on and on. So it's a really good uh, farm system. 
Yeah, it's pretty exciting to uh, to think about. You told me something interesting when we were walking over here. I said, you know, who, who do you pull for in, in other sports? And I was assuming, you know, even though I know the Houston Texans have been down, I assume you're going to run out a bunch of Houston teams. That's not necessarily the case, though, huh? No. So, uh, like, when I was growing up, my family, we didn't root for any uh, sports teams specifically. Um, really, the only team we rooted for was Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame football, basketball, all that stuff. And because my dad went to Notre Dame. And so uh, when I was drafted, I pretty much just like adopted Colorado sports. So um, big Nuggets fan, best team in the NBA right now. Avalanche, Stanley Cup champs, Broncos. I have faith in them, too. Russell Wilson, one of my favorite players, new head coach. So I'm excited. You're all in. You sound like you 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 grew up in Arvada or something, (laughs) man. You are all in. Um, Did you have some favorite guys growing up, guys you modeled your game after in baseball? Um, so growing up, I actually like my favorite players weren't really catchers growing up. I always loved watching uh, a Rod was my favorite for a long time. Derek Jeter, um, Bryce Harper. Like, so I wore eye black for pretty much every game, and Bryce Harper is one of the reasons why I started doing that because uh, like when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16, I think he was wearing eye black, and so I loved it. Good deal. Hey, I wish you nothing but success going forward and uh, keep that smile and keep that great work ethic you have. Thank you. I appreciate it. Drew Romo is a guy, everybody I've talked to, Chris Forbes, the farm director, Jerry Weinstein, who I'm going to have coming up on a show in the not too distant future, who's forgotten more baseball than anyone will ever know, closing in on 80. He's got more energy than anybody. He's uh, been a coach in the Rockies organization for a long time and and specifically works a lot with catchers. He loves everything about Romo, his makeup, his uh, tool chest. Um, So he's coming. Drew Romo's coming. Um, And I think think he's a guy within a couple of years you're going to be hearing about. It's, It's part of that next wave of really talented young players that the Rockies have accumulated in their system, either through the draft or through um, all the good work Rolando Fernandez does uh, in Latin America. And speaking of this global game of baseball, I'm really excited about the WBC. It's been half a dozen years because of COVID since the WBC took place. There's no good time for it. You can't do it after the season. Um, that, That just would not work. Uh, And the only time it works really is spring training. And what's really special about this WBC, there are more star players, all-stars, former MVPs, that are involved than ever before. Just look at Team USA's roster. Mike Trout's playing. Nolan's playing. He's played before. Paul Goldschmidt's played before. He's playing. Trey Turner's playing. Mookie Betts. Uh, Tim Anderson of the White Sox, Kyle Schwarber, and the list goes on and on. A lot of big names said, yep, I want to wear USA across my chest. And the same is is true, uh, you know, for Team Venezuela. Team The Dominican Republic is absolutely loaded. Um, you know, the teams in the Far East, Shohei Otani is playing naturally for Japan. This is going to be a lot of fun. And for those baseball families out there that are used to watching their kids in travel ball tournaments, you know, play a, uh, play one of these events on the weekend where there's pool play and then, you know, you move to the, the elimination round. And, and, you know, if you do really well, Sunday you're playing late in the afternoon, maybe for a championship, right? 
Um, again, the baseball families all know what I'm talking about. Well, that is the major league version, the best players primarily in the world. That's what we have here by country. It's going to take less than two weeks to determine the champion. It's it's going to be a sprint, but there's a lot of guys that are all in. I thought it was really cool that they hired Mark DeRosa to be the manager, a guy with great personality, great reverence for the game. You know, Ken Griffey Jr.'s on that staff. Uh, a, a lot of big names on that staff, Brian McCann, Jerry Manuel. Uh, but look at all those players that get to play together for Team USA. And it's going to be like a travel ball tournament because you got to win. You can't, uh, you know, you always try to win. We understand that in competition. But players... In the sport of baseball, especially at the big league level, they're accustomed to understanding that it's a marathon. It's 162 games. Well, this WBC is just a handful of games. So every game is Super Bowl Sunday. And they're going to be big crowds. They're going to be raucous crowds. Uh, hopefully, the United States can make it to the championship at uh, Marlins Park down in Miami. Uh, but I'm all in. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, hope you enjoyed Drew Romo this week. Jerry Weinstein next week. And um, we'll continue to get you ready for the regular season while also uh, keeping an eye on everything else going on in the world of sports. Take care, stay safe, stay well. We'll talk to you again in seven days.